Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a cloudy day here in Wilmington, North Carolina, and thank you for listening to Third Gear, a Formula One racing podcast. The long break is finally over, and it's officially race week again. So let's prepare for Azerbaijan this upcoming weekend and talk about some other racing that will be occurring as well. All my life, I've really only watched Formula One. So if you're like me and you never really followed any other racing, I'm going to talk about all the other amazing series of motorsport that have been happening over the past two weeks, so that in the future, when there's another long break, you and I both have something to look forward to. Now, two weeks ago was the NTT IndyCar Series race at Long Beach. The race lasts for 85 laps, spanning a total of 167.28 miles, and each lap is just under two miles long and features 11 turns that make up the temporary circuit. The race weekend lasts three days, with the first practice session taking place on Friday and then a second round of practice on Saturday. Saturday also features qualifying, and and Sunday hosts a warm-up in the race itself. This was round three of the IndyCar season, and it saw first-time winner Kyle Kirkwood take the checkered flag for AutoNation Honda with Andretti Autosport. His teammate, Romain Grosjean, whose name you might recognize from Formula One, finished .9907 seconds behind him. Now, I'm very much a beginner in understanding IndyCar, so check out some other creators who focus on that series of racing, and there's still a lot I have to learn and questions I have myself, but I hope to be able to talk about it in more future episodes as I learn more and start becoming more a fan of the sport. Um, A few questions I had was, at the end of the race, one of the drivers ran into the wall with only a few laps remaining, and in Formula One, this would bring out a safety car. So what is the response to accidents and the procedure for races to continue when they do happen? I also noticed that some of the vehicles took damage but continued racing, specifically on the front wing. So I wanted to know if drivers can replace parts during a race or are they forced to race with a compromised vehicle? And then what does the warm-up session before a race consist of? Also two weeks ago was the Red Bull Grand Prix of the Americas for MotoGP. This is my first time watching a MotoGP race start to finish. I had kind of followed a few of the drivers and learned a little bit about it, but I have to say this was incredibly exciting. I'm definitely going to become a MotoGP fan in the future. Um, I'm looking forward to learning a lot more about it. Alex Renz won the Grand Prix for FCR Honda Castrol with Luca Marini and Fabio Quattararo in second and third. I learned that for MotoGP, Coda in the past has not been a very forgiving track. It's bumpy and rough compared to other circuits, but this year they resurfaced it to improve the ride and safety for the drivers, even though there are still some bumps here and there. And just like with any car, I can't say I know enough about the sport to give you a full synopsis on the race. However, I am learning more and I cannot wait to talk about it with you guys more soon on. Again, I have questions like after an incident, are drivers able to get back on their bikes and continue racing if there's nothing wrong with it? Can they refuel, change tires, or make any other changes during the race? How do pit stops work? How do teams decide what kind of tire to put on the front and back of the motorcycle, and why do they need two different kinds? How does wet weather affect races? Like, are they allowed to even race in the rain when it's super slippery? And how are drivers kept safe? And last weekend wasn't completely raceless either. The Formula E Racing Championship had their race in Berlin last weekend. If you don't know what it is, Formula E is just an electric form of single-seater racing similar to Formula 1, and last weekend's races took place in Berlin, which took place in the Tempelhof Airport. 
There were two races that weekend, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. The Saturday's race had Mitch Evans win with Sam Bird in second and Maximilian Gunther in third. And then Sunday's race was won by Nick Cassidy with Jake Dennis in second and Sean Eric Vern in third. I still don't know a ton about Formula E. I did learn a lot more through this race. I learned about the attack zones and a little bit more about the procedure of the race than before, but I definitely do still have a lot of questions for that as well. Why were there two races last weekend? How did they decide track locations? Like, why did they choose the Tempelhof Airport in Germany instead of, say, Hockenheim? How are the attack zones activated? And how much energy do they receive from them? What happens when a car runs out of energy? And the cars look super different than they did a few years ago and even last year. What were the developments and changes that came with that? Obviously, Formula One also has a lot of changes in the past few years. The cars look completely different than they did, say, three, four years ago. So it could just be something similar. Did it allow for cars to follow more closely? What sort of developments came out of that? They also look really heavy. So I am interested to learn about how they are built because they're so big looking. You know, they're tall off the ground and really, you know, you look at a Formula One car, there's a lot of like open space, I feel like. And these Formula E cars are massive and they look like giant star destroyers almost. Anyway, let's go ahead and prepare for this upcoming weekend, which not only has the Formula One race in Baku, but also Formula Two, MotoGP, IndyCar, and the first ever Formula One Academy race taking place. All right, so first up, IndyCar. And this weekend is the Alabama Indy Grand Prix. The circuit features a 2.3 mile road course with 17 turns and 80 feet of elevation change. Stay tuned this Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as all 27 drivers take on the challenge of this circuit. I'm actually really interested to see how that goes because of the elevation change. I've never heard of a tracker circuit having so much of it. Um, Obviously, Coda kind of does have some elevation change. There are some hills on other courses like Spa. Let's find out what race. Well, here, let's do what Formula One circuit has the greatest elevation. Spa. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. So Spa has the greatest elevation change for formula one but there's 102.2 meters of elevation change in spa um, which is three feet of elevation change oh no that's centimeters dumbass 300 feet of elevation change in spa huh okay i lied that will still be interesting i'm sure but oh my goodness is that real i know that all right okay We'll see how that goes. I'm excited to get a little more educated on IndyCar and I'll be able to follow it and kind of have more of an idea of what's going on. The Formula 2 race will be taking place in Baku before the Formula 1 race. For me, Formula 2 starts at 3.25 a.m. So I will be watching a recorded version of it later in the day. But they will have a sprint race that will be 21 laps long and a feature race lasting 29 laps. Last year, we had Fedrick Vesti winning the sprint race and Dennis Hager winning the feature And stay tuned for the next podcast episode because I'll touch on the Formula 2 races as well. This weekend is also hosting the Gran Premio MotoGP race in Spain. The race itself will take place at 9 Eastern Standard Time. And the track is 2.75 miles or 4.42 kilometers and will take place over 25 laps. There are a total of 13 corners, 5 to the left and 8 to the right. And last year's winner was Francesco Bagnaia. 
Johan Zarco has set the fastest top speed of 300.8 kilometers per hour, and the lap record goes to Francesco Bagnaia with a 1 minute 36 seconds and 17 milliseconds. Also coming up this weekend for the first time ever will be the Formula One Academy race. This all-women's racing series will have its first race at the Red Bull Ring in Austria this weekend. And if you haven't been following up with it, the race weekend format will have a practice one, practice two, qualifying one, and a qualifying two all take place on Friday, with three separate races taking place on Saturday. Although that might sound a lot different than Formula One and maybe seems a little complicated, I think that once the first weekend is done and underway, it will all make sense. The practice sessions work very similar to Formula One. Drivers are given 40 minutes on the track to warm up their vehicles and get a feel for the track in their car. And then there is a 15-minute first qualifying session that will determine the starting order for the first and second races. Two points are awarded for pole position sitters in qualifying. The first race is 30 minutes long plus a finishing lap with a point system identical to Formula One. And then the second race is 20 minutes long plus a finishing lap, but it starts with a reverse grid for the top eight drivers from the first qualifying session. This race is awarded less points with the first place finisher receiving 10. Friday's second qualifying session will determine the starting order for the last race, which also lasts 30 minutes plus an extra lap, and will have a standard starting grid and point system. Just like in Formula 1, one point will also be awarded for the fastest lap. I really look forward to watching and following Formula 1 Academy, and I hope to see some amazing talent rise through the sport soon. I think it'll be really interesting to see how they manage to work out these Grand Prix weekends and who's coming on top, if it's close-knit battles, or is there an obvious talent among them. I'm excited to see how it, it goes. And then what we've all been waiting for, of course, is the Formula One Grand Prix in Baku this weekend. The Baku City Circuit is a challenging street track that features long straights, tight turns, and narrow track limits. It's 51 laps long, and just barely over 6 kilometers, or 3.73 miles long, with the fastest lap being set by Charles Leclerc in 2019 of a 143.009. The track is made up of 20 corners and 2 DRS zones, the first just after turn 1 and the second on the main straight across the starting line. The track held its first race in 2016 and is notorious for some amount of drama happening there. I think probably one of the most popular moments is in 2017 when Vettel tapped Hamilton for brake checking him, or in 2018, the infamous Red Bull collision between Verstappen and Ricardo. Of course, 2021 was also very dramatic. Max Verstappen was almost sure to win and then took a tire puncture and had to retire from the race. And then the championship competitor, Lewis Hamilton, locked up after the restart and fell behind in the grid order which left Sergio Perez to win the race with Sebastian Vettel in second and Pierre Gasly in third. This weekend also features a new schedule and format for the upcoming sprint races. This year will be the first ever sprint shootout, which is a separate form of qualifying used to determine the starting order for the sprint race, so the results do not affect the actual race on Sunday itself. Practice one and qualifying for the race will take place on Friday, and then the sprint shootout and sprint race will take place on Saturday. And then, of course, the race itself will take place on Sunday, with the starting order being determined from the qualifying session on Friday. I am looking forward to see how this new format is going to work, with the sprint not affecting the race directly at all. It does give drivers an opportunity for more points in battling, but I do hope that in the future they actually 
implement a reverse grid for sprint races. I just, like, my biggest dream is Formula One putting in a reverse grid format. I think it would have so much more competition. I think it would add so much more entertainment for viewers. I just really think that it would just be so exciting if we did it. So I would really love one day for the sprint race to be in reverse grid since now it doesn't even affect the race at all. So I'm looking to see, hopefully, they'll implement that in the future. Um, It kind of looks like they're moving towards that, just with the way that it's now organized. So, a girl can hope. And lastly, it is time to predict what I believe the results will be for the 2023 Azerbaijan Grand Prix. I think that qualifying is going to have Max Verstappen on pole position, with Fernando Alonso in second and Lewis Hamilton in third, as Mercedes continue to improve their car. Um, I believe that the sprint race results will have Max winning with Hamilton closely behind and then Fernando Alonso just barely missing out on the podium to Checo Perez. Lastly, I think that the race will have Lewis Hamilton win for the first time this season and Max Verstappen finishing second with Fernando Alonso continuing his streak of finishing in third. Who knows, maybe we'll see Taylor Swift cheer him on. (laughs) Um, And I think that driver of the day will go to Lewis Hamilton and the fastest lap will be set by. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to share the podcast with friends and family and be sure to leave behind some comments and suggestions on my episodes. I appreciate you all. Take care of yourselves.